Into the Archives with Peter Fleming. A quest for the lost children's television classics of Peter Fleming. Presented by me, Peter Fleming. This week, Windmills and Balloons. I think he's gone now. Uh, hello, my friends. Peter Fleming here, and today I'm out on a daring mission. No, you haven't stumbled into an episode of Thunderbirds. Uh, I was banned from their studio, actually, uh, following a confrontation with Parker, one which today I'm only mostly proud of. I'm out on location again, because after finishing talking about stargazing last time, I had an idea. So talk of my various terrifying encounters with John Pertwee, uh, for him, will have to wait. I've come to Little Bear Cottage, as it's now called, on the outskirts of Chester. It took me about 70 different ordnance survey maps to find my way, but uh, I got here in the end. Uh, now, my fans will know this place from a past life, when, as Marrow Mill, it was the location we used for the very last episode of Floating Mr. McAllister, one of the best-loved of all my programmes in the early 1970s. Uh, you'll be pleased to know it hasn't changed a bit. Even the windmill's still there, though it uh, looks like it hasn't moved in uh, quite a long time. A very special place, this, uh, not least for me, because for quite some time I actually ended up living here myself. Uh, and one fan, Simon Lansing, uh, a lovely man, uh, purchased it from me when I fell into difficulty with my finances and neighbours. Uh, he's kept it safe all this time, and I thought there was a chance he might be able to help me finally get my global archive expedition off the ground. Sadly, I've just learned from his son that uh, Simon passed away a few years ago. Uh, I asked him, uh, Tristan, I think he said his name was, if I could come in, but he, uh, he accidentally slammed the door in my face. Uh, but he seems to have gone out, so I think now we can have a quick look round and see if I can find what I was looking for. But first, I think I should refresh your memories about floating Mr McAllister, and I'm pleased to say there are plenty of clips to help me tell the story. So, join me as we delve into the Audio Archive. Audio Archive. Well, the story of floating Mr McAllister was simple enough. Mr McAllister looked at his stuffy life in the city and realised something was missing. So he decided to go floating away in a big red hot air balloon and got into all kinds of adventures. A new one every week, in fact. And at the end of that week, he'd wonder if the new life he'd just tried out was the one for him. And always decide, no, always more to discover. And off he'd go into the sky again. Uh, here's a typical example in a fan's off-air audio recording from the end of episode two. <laughs> but you can't go, Mr McAllister. These are the best buns I ever tasted. I'm sorry, Mr Baker. It's not the life for me. Bye-bye. Good luck with the king's cake! <laughs> yeah, well, it continued in that vein for quite some time. I think what really charmed people early on was the incongruous image of Mr McAllister in his battered grey suit and his big red balloon floating into ever more unlikely situations. Uh, here's a clip from a couple of weeks later. Come and jam again with us any time, Mr McAllister, man. It was good fun, Flower Man. And thank you for my lovely recorder! Play it and be free, man! 
Well, as Mr. McAllister always said, you're never too old to try something new. Something new for him was living with other people. So we decided a couple of months in, to keep things interesting, that we'd give him some passengers, the Browning family. When offered the chance to stay with them at the end of an episode, he instead suggested they join him in his balloon. So our cast was expanded to include little Polly, the daughter whose sense of adventure was matched only by McAllister himself, and her stubbornly respectable father, Alistair. They're getting nearer all the time, Mr. McAllister. Mr. McAllister! For heaven's sake, man, we're in trouble. Why don't you start acting sensibly and stop tootling away on that blasted full recorder? Ah, it's a recorder. That's what I said! Certainly livened things up a bit. You know, the bickering between Alistair and McAllister became a weekly highlight. But the central thrust of the series remained unchanged. After everything you've done for us today, Mr. McAllister, we must ask you to stay on. Your contribution will be invaluable to our war effort. No, I don't think so. Come along, everyone. Oh, can't we stay? Yes, good grief, man. People are counting on Come along. Well, goodbye, General. Bye. Captain, order the men to surrender. I'll go and tell the king. But finally, after two years of adventures, with McAllister and friends living all sorts of different lives, on a pirate ship one week in the Wild West the next, uh, librarians, gondoliers, firefighters, knights... Uh, I'm not sure how we moved through different historical periods, to tell you the truth. It's, uh, well, no one ever really questioned it. Uh, but anyway, after all that, the Brownings decided they'd like to settle back down and live a quiet life. And in that last ever episode, we decided Mr McAllister would feel the same way. So, for that final programme, they drifted about to find somewhere they all liked. And at last, they found a place they agreed on. A quiet old windmill in the country. This one here. And we're very lucky that a clip survives from the very end of that episode as well. You're not staying just for us, are you, Mr McAllister? No, Polly, I really mean it. At long last, this is the place for me. No more ballooning about, a nice quiet life, watching the sails turn with my friends by my side. And you don't mind living in a silly place like a windmill, Dad? Well, Polly, as a wise man once said, you're never too old to try something new. <laughs> and there it was, his perfect life. That ending was recorded pretty much right where I'm standing. And uh, we left things here with a final shot looking down on them, their windmill turning and the big red balloon in its last resting place. Uh, something magical about that, we thought. Divided opinion, though. Some people were disappointed that he settled down, thought we should have kept him floating off into the distance, forever heading on to new adventures. Well, maybe they had a point. I mean, is anything more enchanting to a child than a hot air balloon? It was them and windmills for me when I was little. I love them both. That's another reason we finished it the way it did. They always seemed to me to belong in a pair. Two things brought to life in the breeze. I don't think it uh, dampened the delight children had felt up until then, anyway, uh, watching him drifting over everything and everyone. And it wasn't just children in this country who loved the programme, either. It was sold all over the place, journeyed as far and wide as Mr McAllister himself, in fact. 
I remember it was definitely sold to Cyprus because a TV station contacted me in the 1980s, having discovered an episode. I was so excited, I paid for the postage myself, but uh, when it finally arrived, uh, it turned out the film can had been mislabeled. It contained unique footage documenting the cultural, social history of the whole of Cyprus. No interest in me or my fans at all, I just chucked it in a skip. Years later, I was horrified to learn they'd been doing the exact same thing at the other end to my programmes, which was cultural vandalism and reprehensible. If you have any idea where copies might be found, get in touch. But if I'm very lucky, it might be that my expedition and I are no longer quite so dependent on your tip-offs and donations. I never knew for sure if he'd managed it, but when I was last here, Simon had been trying to track down the original balloon. And that's why I've come back today, to find out. Maybe had it shut away somewhere, or... Let's go and have a look. Uh, I'm walking into the, the back garden now, just, just around the corner. Looks like they've been clearing a lot of things out, you know. I, I... My goodness. It's here. It's just... It's just sitting out here in the garden amongst all the... As if it's been waiting for me all this time. I never thought... Hello, old friend. Looks as good as new. Wish I could say the same for me. Well, well, my friends, it seems the expedition is going ahead after all. No plane tickets needed anymore, I think. Oh, oh it's all coming back to me now. In fact, as I prepare, this seems as good a moment as any to tell you about the happy times I spent living here. This is... Peter remembers. Uh, right, well, my things are all ready to be loaded in, but, uh, well, let's have a little stroll around the, the mill and the cottage first. Uh, I don't think the balloon will be going anywhere in the meantime. It's been so long. Uh, looking around, uh, one or two things have changed, actually. It must have been uh, Tristan who added that conservatory. Simon always said he wanted to keep it as it was. Still feel some of that old magic, though. It's very far out from TV centre, of course, which was unusual for the time. Uh, but uh, BBC management wanted productions to venture outside of London more often, uh, sometimes even relocate to show we were in touch with all regions of the country. I think that uh, drive for them lasted uh, all of two months. I remember when it was announced, I asked, and this was out of genuine curiosity, will anyone from BBC management be relocating as well? And they immediately smacked me in the mouth with a stick. But I absolutely fell in love with this place when we got up here to film, and when I found out it was on the market a decade or so later, I, I jumped at the chance to live here. I wasn't making quite as many programmes by then, so I didn't have to worry about the commute anymore. I didn't have a car, you see. I travelled mainly by balloon at that time. Uh, not the one from Floating Mr. McAllister. BBC wouldn't let me keep that. But I'd absolutely adored learning to pilot it during filming to, uh, to save money. Uh, so I bought one of my own after the series ended. I was determined to keep it up. And I had that balloon for a good many years. But uh, sadly, not long after moving here, it was stolen. By Geoffrey Bailden, of all people. Lost his marbles, poor fellow. Thought he was still Cat Weasel. Kept stealing hot air balloons for the rest of his life. You could catch their scent from 200 miles away, some people said. The last I heard of him, he was drifting all over the British Isles in a balloon that was a sort of red and yellow globe. 
bellowing out of a megaphone what was just coming up now on BBC One. This strange man. But I still had the windmill, at least, and seeing it again now, untouched by time... Well, nearly untouched. Could do with a lick of paint. I wonder why the sails aren't turning. I'd try tinkering with it and make sure they'd never stop. I think something's blocking it up there. Oh, he's clamped it. Who clamps a windmill? Oh dear, oh dear. Uh, there was one near the children's home where I lived, you see, and I decided then I wanted to live in a windmill one day, or a cottage with a windmill in the back garden as my second choice. And when I started my television career, I wanted to make a programme about one too. I was furious when Gordon Murray got there first with Camberwick Green and Windy Miller and all that. We'd had a gentleman's agreement I'd make my windmill series first. So Wilfred's windmill had to wait on the back burner, completely overshadowed. I'd hoped when I moved here I could use this windmill to redress the balance. Uh, started seeing if TV companies wanted to use it on productions. Uh, perhaps they'd make a programme to topple Camberwick Green from its place in the pantheon of television programmes that feature windmills. Uh, never managed it. I once glued Mark Curry's hands to the sails and sent him spinning round, but uh, that wasn't for Blue Peter, just personal reasons. And whenever I chatted with any neighbours about the windmill, they'd always say, Ah, just like Windy Miller. They never understood why I'd immediately start shouting at them. They really did become very unreasonable about that. But it became a symbol to my fans, at least. Uh, in fact, a windmill ended up becoming the emblem of the Peter Fleming Appreciation Society or fan club, as some crass, vulgar individuals called it, uh, featured on all their newsletters and stationery, and for several years it played host to the never-too-old function, which took place every August uh, for any viewers dedicated enough to make the pilgrimage. And truly, it was one of the great rewards of my career to get to know those floating Mr McAllister diehards, or floaters, as their community came to be known. Uh, to think that such kind... Generous people have been inspired by what I'd done. That they were so interested in the programmes, too. It was really touching. We spent many happy summer afternoons here just talking about them. A little family of its own. And now, as I look for lost episodes, it's people like that who give me hope. I haven't heard from any of them from a long time, admittedly. I suppose after I moved away from here and handed it over to Simon, it was hard to keep in touch. I kept moving about, you see, Eventually, even he wasn't able to keep track. Yeah, but to see it all again now, this was a special place. Let's see it from round the front again, actually. I uh, arrived here uh, at the side. I came upstream on a raft I'd fashioned. Next best thing to balloon, I say. Uh, balloon, raft, tube. Those are the top three modes of transport. Uh, so I've seen the mill and the, the cottage, but I, I've not seen the whole tableau up front from the uh, from the driveway. So let's, uh, let's just go up here. Uh, What's this sign coming up? Has he put a sign up as well, has he? Well, I suppose it's easier for the postman to know what it's called. It... Sold? Can't. What about Simon? What, what about... This was my... And what about the fans? I... This was our place. That don't mean anything. Well, my friends, whilst I... Take a moment. Uh, uh, why not make plans for a trip of your own with this commercial message? 
The Peter Fleming Location Guide is your atlas to the golden age of children's television. Find your way to all the places ever used in Peter's programs with this collection of 70 ordnance survey maps scribbled on and glued together in roughly the right order. Visit the Hertfordshire Wishing Well used in The Magic Crone. See the Middlesex statue defiled by Robert Stevens in Hands Off, Mr. Smith. And explore the real-life town of endless dreams, Suffolk's best-kept but least shameful secret. And enjoy exhaustive anecdotes and trivia painstakingly attached on a series of overlapping and inconvenient flaps. Don't forget to compliment your guide by purchasing an unaltered map which can still be used as a map. Yours for just £75, or buy an individual location guide for your area at the discounted price of £75. Now there's a bargain. Warning, locations may have been altered drastically by the winds of time and human greed. Order now. Yeah, invaluable piece of kit, that. And plenty available, along with every single other piece of merchandise I've put together this series. I uh, really thought I would have shifted more to fund the expedition by now, but uh, in fact it's just been a huge drain on resources. Well, uh, let's not worry about that for now. Let's try and get this balloon up can rescue that from being sold at least. I see now this is up for sale as well. Hundred pounds. Actually, I, I did pay my licence fee, so I suppose, in a sense, I've bought it already. Now, it's a long time since I flew a balloon, but uh, some things you never really forget, do you? Like riding a bicycle, or the names of every single person who signed off on a programme of yours being burnt. Well, first things first, get in the basket and get this bird oh! Get this burner going. Hello, what's all this? Uh, in the basket, my friends, I, I've just come across a, a cardboard box of all sorts of bric-a-brac. Oh, it's from all the never-too-old events. It's got posters, event programmes from each year. Gosh, I hadn't thought about these. In fact, my friends, before I take off, let's make this an honorary entry into Peter's Private Collection. I've, uh, I've just picked a programme at random. Uh, this one's 1983. Uh, you can tell this is Simon's because he's tucked some photographs in of the day. He always did that. He always made sure a big one was taken with everyone in front of the windmill. It's good weather that year. Well, now, what do we have on in 1983? Uh, let's see, 12pm, photographs and signatures. Oh, yes, my wrist still aches from that. 2pm, uh, Q&A with Peter Fleming. Yes, well, I was an easy booking, wasn't I? I didn't charge any travel expenses, for one thing. 4pm, uh, panel discussion with cast and crew of Inside the Orange. Ah, now, I remember, they did all ask for travel expenses, which is why that didn't actually go ahead in the end. I think I just showed everyone the windmill and talked to them about ballooning for a bit. 6pm, uh, banquet from Cathy Calloway. Ah, dear Cathy, it's good of her to step in and do that. Uh, I'm just happy for something to do, I think. Seem to remember we had to hire a taste tester, though, in case she had one of her turns. Yeah, what else do we have? 8pm, special musical performance, Wacky Washboards Reunion. <laughs> Well, that didn't happen either in the end, actually. I remember on the way here, they suffered a breakdown each. One car, one nervous. Uh, and then, uh, 9pm to 3am, messages from beyond, a night of stargazing. 
Well, that was the year everybody camped. Oh, yes, there's a picture of the tent. Uh, what else have we got in this box, eh? Uh, ah, a fan magazine, Floaters Missing McAllister. Yeah, good title. I seem to remember signing a copy or two of this over the years. Uh, which one's this? Uh, April 1996. What's it carried on going? <laughs> I've never actually had a read of it, you know. But I think hearing from the fans now would be just what I need to get fired up for the expedition. Let's have a look. Uh, all sorts of articles. Yeah. Ah, this looks promising. Lost Treasures. Trevor Balding on Missing Peter Fleming's Missing Programs. Right up our street. Uh, what does he write? Uh, we mourn the loss of these treasures from our youth, but perhaps their absence gave us an extra sense of wonder that has been key to our community's longevity. Like Professor Zaney's book of the future that couldn't be opened, these missing programmes force us to use our imaginations as no other fans do. Perhaps more discussion and creativity have been inspired by them now than if they had never been destroyed in the first place. Could it be that their loss is not a curse after all, but a blessing? Well, Trevor, no. Sorry to be an old Dr. Straight-laced about it, but no, I want them back. Uh, what else has been written there? Well, this looks interesting. Uh, what We Missed by Christopher Henning, PhD. Oh, very posh. Ah, he mentions uh, floating Mr. McAllister, actually. Uh, ah, he's one of the ending naysayers, isn't this? The whole series hinged on hope and possibility. To end it on a note of comfortable certainty was to go against everything Mr. McAllister stood for. Well, we all want a home, don't we, Christopher? Could certainly do with one now, anyway. Worse still, Fleming, uh, Mr. Fleming, if you don't mind, uh, Mr. Fleming carried on this trend in his woefully misguided ending to Messages from Beyond. Once again, soaring winds of potential give way to the dull flatulence of the series' resolution. In fact, the only chance we have to wonder today is in pondering what programmes might have been made had Mr. Fleming not forsaken new adventures to waste energy trying to find his missing works. What better things might he have created had he not fallen for the comforts of the familiar? Here at least he leaves us with one great unanswered question. Well, that's a very interesting set of points you make, Christopher. Very interesting indeed. Well, let's set off on the expedition then. Uh, if there are no objections, no one thinks I should be doing something else? No one's even listening. Let's, let's get this burner on, start filling up this, this balloon. Go. Why did it go? I want to go. Why is it not working? Did I see a manual amongst all? Ah, yes, it is a manual. Simon's written a note on it. What does it say? Uh, pilot light broken. Burner out of fuel. Balloon can't fly. I only wanted to go and 
Well, never mind. Waste of time. All waste of time. Look at this place. Windmill cramped cottage being sold off in a flat balloon. Silly old buffer trying to bring it all back to life. Really, it was a nice thing we had here once. Well, just, uh, just look at some photographs again, I suppose. Nothing else I can do, is there? Well, there we all are. It's uh, 1985, I think. Uh, wonder where all those people are now. What's this? A couple of old letters. What are these? Another note from Simon. Fan mail for Peter. Add to the pile. Forward once he gets in touch with new address. I never did, did I? Sorry, Simon. Hang on, pile? Is it? There's quite a few actually down here. It's all tied together. April 1997, June 1999. I left here in 91, 92, I think. It looks like they've been coming in ever since. Well, uh, I suppose, my friends, if uh, if you're all still there, still listening, uh, we might as well have a little read. Uh, can't be any worse than that article, after all. Well, uh, with a disappointing ending, apparently guaranteed... This is Messages from Beyond. Well, now, uh, what should we have first? What's this one? Uh, Ron in Southampton. Dear Mr Fleming, I don't know if my last letter reached you, so I'm writing to you at your old address. I went back to the car boot sale I mentioned in my last letter and the Mr Grolling's Talking Shoes film can had already been sold but the man who sold it said he knew someone who might have more. I think I remember this one. I got a letter from Ron at my next address after here. I had to leave in a hurry. All the lights went out, wouldn't come back on. I didn't know how to make it all work, so I just left. I never did reply to him. I'd run out of stamps. There's someone who might have more, eh? Well, there's some hope. Let's look at another one. Dear Mr Fleming... I still remember your salty sailor's adverts all these years on, and although it's not possible for him to watch them, I've made shouting ahoy and all their other catchphrases a tradition with my five-year-old every bath time. We still use matey in our house, of course, and when it's time for my own bath at 32, I still play with my gentleman's foamer from time to time. Best wishes, Nigel. Oh, doesn't that warm your heart? Eh? What's this at the bottom? Oh, I think this must be his son. What's he trying to write? Drink it up, drink it up, drink it up. My goodness me. When's this from? Good grief, that five-year-old's in his thirties now. Well, let's have another one, shall we? Well, this, one, this one's not opened. What's the postmark? That's only been sent this week. I don't know what they've written for the address here. Peter Fleming, and then just some dots. Uh, and it... Oh, it's Ursa Minor. Ursa Minor, Little Bear, Little Bear Cottage. Well, <laughs> that's lucky, isn't it? 
clever posted too. Well, it's uh, it's open it up. Uh, it's from Gemma. Gemma and Roger in Chichester. Dear Peter, we're so sorry not to have kept in touch. One walk in the park became another, and two lonely souls found each other. We were surprised what a whirlwind it's been. But as Mr. McAllister would say, you're never too old to try something new. You're not wrong, are you, you two? What is it? Oh, it's a photo. So that's what you look like. It's not a bit like I imagined, you know. What do they say now? The biggest surprise of all came when we saw Mr. McAllister's home of Marrow Mill was on the market. We were so excited, we took it as a sign and, and bought it. <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. We hope to move there in the next six to eight weeks. Perhaps we'll see you there one day, if you remember the way. Thank you for bringing two old friends back together. With love, Gemma and Roger. P.S. Good luck with your expedition. We hope the enclosed helps you on your way. It's a cheque. One hundred pounds. I can go. Well, my friends, this is all most unexpected. Well, do you know, in spite of what people say, I always like to try for a neat, satisfying ending. So let's go now to the Travel Totalizer. Well, the last fortnight I'd managed to work off all the debts from bursting pigs, uh, Ludo sets and, uh, and so on, uh, and got back up to uh, zero. Uh, the target remains at £100. Uh, and with this check, I can reveal at the end of this fundraising drive, the total raised is 100 pounds! Which is the exact price of this balloon, in fact, so fair's fair, I'll pay that in good faith, and with all the expenses sorted, we're back down to zero. And so, everything's balanced and my global archive expedition can begin! Oh, except the balloon doesn't work. Hmm. Well, I, I suppose I could wait here for uh, Gemma and Roger to arrive. Uh, how long do you say they'd be? Uh, wait, what's this? Uh, PPS. May we also order a chemistry set? It sounds like fun. <laughs> well, fun it might be, but I should warn you both, you might get more than you bargained for. These chemicals can pack quite a... quite a wallop. There's a thought. What about fuel? I need enough fuel to keep... i still got some of that pig polish. It's very flammable stuff. Ah, yes, I have. He's, he's worth a try, isn't it? It's, uh, it's tip some of the polish into the burner. Oh, put the whole lot in. Uh, and then uh, chemistry. Now, uh, let's see. Which of these chemicals aren't you supposed to mix? Uh, it's the two red ones, I think, isn't it? Yes, well, um, well, fingers crossed. We'll get a bit nervous for under about this point. 
Ah! Oh, oh! It's working! It's working! It's working! Oh my goodness me! This is going to fill up pretty quick, I think. I better get my things. <laughs> fully inflated now and uh, and the basket's all loaded I think I'm ready to go except it's not going tied down to anything is it let's get out a minute have a look it doesn't seem to be any oh hey hey it's going wait for me no it's not now Oh, it's the weight. Oh, what can I get rid of? Oh, not Simon's things. I want to read all these letters. Not my private collection. Or maybe just something. What weighs the same as me? Oh, that cake from Is It My Birthday? It's a shame. I thought I might have another go at eating it. Oh, well, I suppose I've got that crackerjack cabbage if I get really desperate. Well, here we go. Oh! Oh, that's done it. My goodness, he's right. I'm flying. I'm really flying, my friends. Oh, we're getting a bit close to the windmill. Oh, no, no. Oh, no. Oh. oh, is everything all right? Balloons still. Yes, it all seems to... Hello. What's that noise? Oh, my goodness. Looking out at... I must have knocked that clamp out, my friends. The windmill's turning. How long have you been waiting to do that, eh? <laughs> well, well, Gemma and Roger, I've prepared quite the housewarming for you. Life's returned to McAllister's Mill. Everything works. <laughs> now, up, up and away. How's this for a new adventure, Dr. Henning? Mr. McAllister flies again. <laughs> oh, look at all that out there. Hello. friends. What a day it's been. Mr. McAllister's mills turning again, his balloons back in the air, and so far it seems to be stable, and my global archive expedition has finally begun. Who knows what I'll find? Wonder where I'll go first. I mean, I really could go anywhere. You see, uh, now the initial excitement's died down, it has struck me. It's actually quite hard to steer a hot air balloon. Really not suited to long-distance travel. I've also just thought to test the vent at the top used to lower yourself, and, uh... Well, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. 
Still, eh? I'm sure I'll get down eventually. Somehow. Well, for now, at least, I, I suppose I've got the time to plan an itinerary. Uh, but if you have any leads on where you think I should go first, uh, the address to get in touch is uh, Peter Fleming. Uh, well, uh, I tell you what, uh, I'm over Cheshire at the minute, so uh, find a bird that migrates north if you're lower than that, or south if you're higher. Uh, stick your message on that, and I should bump into it uh, before too long. I can't wait to hear from you. <laughs> Well, that really is all we've got time for on Into the Archives this week and this series. Here's hoping I reach somewhere soon. Otherwise, I suppose it's possible those fans who wanted that different ending are about to get their wish. Well, if I ever do manage to land and make a stop on this summer expedition of mine, you'll be the first to know. Until then, my friends, keep up the search, keep in touch, and stay tuned. Ah, where shall I go? Where shall I go? Into the Archives was presented by Peter Fleming. His archivist and producer of the program is Tom Burgess. Music and sound were found in a skip in Made Avail by Peter Fleming and remastered by Tom Burgess. Floating Mr. McAllister was written, produced and directed by Peter Fleming. Complaints about the ending should be written on plain paper, rolled up and inserted into yourself at speed. The clips were used with the kind permission of Sylvester McCoy and remastered by Tom Burgess. Special thanks to Gareth Burgess and Eleanor Morton. The Daleks and the Mechanoids were created by Terry Nation. This program was a Peter Fleming production for... Well, I, I don't know yet. 